Good morning once again. It's good to be together today. And today, as we've already mentioned, but I think bears mentioning once again, we are celebrating the faithfulness of God in bringing us through the first year of Grace Bible Church. And through the planning process, there was a group of us that planned and prayed and thought and uh, discussed things. And there was many times when we weren't sure what was going to happen or when it was going to happen or if things were going to happen. But we are here today, not because of the work of any planning or any people, but because of the sovereign faithfulness of God. And what a joy to be together. And so what we want to do today is to celebrate what God has done and to look back and see the faithfulness of God and have that motivate us to trust God as we move into our second year of ministry here. That's the overall purpose of what I want to do today. I want to establish a reference point, a point of remembrance that we can look back and see how God's faithfulness has been and then we can move forward in confidence knowing that this faithfulness will continue. It's what we just sang, strength for today and hope for tomorrow. It's the promise that we have in Christ. We sing a hymn here at Grace Bible Church called Come Thou Fount of Every Blessing. In the second verse, I thought about having us sing it real quick, but I'm just going to quote it so you can thank me later. Here I raise my Ebenezer, hither by thy help I'm come, and I hope by thy good pleasure safely to arrive at home. Do you know what an Ebenezer is? It has nothing to do with Christmas. It's two Hebrew words, Eben, meaning stone, and Azer, meaning help. It is a stone of help or a point of remembrance. When the people of Israel would go through something and they would want to remember what God did, they would establish what they called a stone of remembrance, an Ebenezer. And that's what we want to do today. We want to commemorate what God has done and celebrate his faithfulness so that we can look back and see what God has done. And I just am overflowing with thankfulness this morning at what God has done in our church, and I hope to communicate. So this morning I want to remind us of three things. Three things. I want to remind us of God's past faithfulness. I want to remind us of his present provision right now and the promise of future grace to his people. So to see that, we're going to look at Philippians chapter 1. Philippians chapter 1. And as you're turning there, I just want to remind you also that we have two weeks left in our psalm series over the summer. And then when we get to the second week of September, we will be back to the book of Ephesians. We started Ephesians last fall and have been working our way through that book. We took a break for the summer and we'll be coming back and we're very eager to get back to the book of Ephesians. So with that in mind, though, let's read Philippians chapter 1. I'm going to read verses 1 through 11. Please follow along in your Bibles. Philippians 1, Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are at Philippi, with the overseers and deacons, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God in all my remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine for you all, making my prayer with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. And I am sure of this, 
that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. It is right for me to feel this way about you all because I hold you in my heart, for you are all partakers with me of grace, both in my imprisonment and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel. For God is my witness, how I yearn for you all with the affection of Christ Jesus. And it is my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment so that you may approve what is excellent and so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the praise and glory of God. Would you pray with me as we begin? Father, our hearts are filled with thankfulness for what you have done in our church, in our lives, and we come today humbled at the fact that you would choose to use people who are broken, inadequate, still sinful, and yet by your Spirit you have given strength, you have given power. We are but vessels to be used by you, Lord, and we praise you for your work in the past, and we ask that your faithfulness now would continue. We do not know the future. We do not know the stability or instability that will come, but we trust you, God, that your plans are always and only good for your people. So now as we look at this text and we consider what you have done in in the church at Philippi and also as we look to what you have done here, Lord, would you open our understanding, help us to see what's in your word and to worship you because of who you are. It's with thankfulness that we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, Philippians is a book of warmth and thanksgiving. Paul doesn't spend his time rebuking them about something or trying to correct these false teachings that have crept into the church or set the record straight. He is writing to this church in Philippi because of the overflow of what's in his heart, the thankfulness that he has to God for them. Philippians is one of Paul's most intimate letters where he uses warm and personal language. When I was thinking about what to preach this Sunday because of our one-year anniversary and wanting to commemorate this and make it a special time together, this text kept coming back into my mind. And I believe God has encouragement for all of us here this morning from the book of Philippians. So as I said, there's three things that we're going to see in the text today. And what I want to do is see these three things in light of what Paul says to the Philippians. And then we're going to come back and look at those three things again using examples from our church to see how God has worked here. So first, let's look at number one, God's past faithfulness. God's past faithfulness. Read verses 3 to 5 again with me. I thank my God in all my remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine for you all, making my prayer with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. So this is more than just a general prayer of thanks that Paul might pray for all Christians everywhere for God's work. This is specific prayer for a specific people. Paul had been to Philippi. He had developed relationships there. You can read about this in Acts 16 and following. 
that he had established the churches, he had ministered among the saints there, and he is giving thanks to God for them, for their partnership that he knows they have. This isn't speculation. Paul is thankful for a real thing. Now, this partnership certainly included many different things since he spent time there. It was hospitality, it was generosity, it was prayer, it was all these things. But he specifically calls out here partnership in the gospel. We should see that the thing he is most thankful for is how God has moved in the hearts of these Philippian Christians to give them this inclination towards partnership, towards generosity, and towards their love for Paul. They have heard the gospel, the good news that Jesus Christ came to sake and save sinners. They have responded to that gospel and now are living lives that are marked by this gospel, which gives Paul great Joy, And I think in his mind, the fact that they have supported and encouraged him is a testimony to the faithfulness of God that was demonstrated. You see, God had told the Apostle Paul he would be the apostle to the Gentiles and that many would come to faith in Jesus through his ministry. So when Paul hears the reports back from Philippi, when he hears that the people are carrying on in the faith, that they are persevering, that they are growing, and he receives from them the support and the encouragement in the gospel, it is proof of God's faithfulness because God has been faithful to his promise. So when Paul is giving thanks for these people, when he is recounting the ways that they have partnered with him, it is a demonstration of the faithfulness of God. Number two, we're going to move somewhat quickly through these. God's present provision. God's present provision, verses six through eight. Paul says, I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion to the day of Jesus Christ. It is right for me to feel this way about you all because I hold you in my heart for you are all partakers with me of grace, both in my imprisonment and in the defense of and confirmation of the gospel. For God is my witness, how I long for you, yearn for you with all the affection of Jesus Christ. In this section, Paul states his confidence that God, who began this work of salvation and sanctification in the Philippian believers, will complete it. He will bring them all the way through to the day of Christ, which is the way of talking about the last times when Jesus Christ returns to earth for his bride, the church, and establishes his kingdom. Now, how do you suppose God is going to do this? Paul says, here's what God did in the past. Here's where he's going to move us. He's going to complete all of this in the future. How is he going to do that? How is it that the Philippians have such generous hearts and a kind disposition towards Paul and how is it that Paul has the wherewithal to recognize this as a work of God and give thanks to him for this it is the present provision of the grace of God the grace of God look at verse 7 for you are all partakers with me of grace this is present tense partaking They are receiving grace from God. If it were not for the grace of God enabling the Philippians, if it were not for the grace of God at work in Paul, 
we wouldn't have this letter. We wouldn't have any of Paul's letters or the church's communications. But it is the grace of God that is moving and prompting them to not live selfishly, but to engage in this partnership with Paul, which motivates him to give thanks to God. This present provision of God's grace allowed them to love and act and serve in ways that glorifies God, that draws attention to God rather than to themselves. Which is why Paul thanks God for the Philippians. He doesn't only thank the Philippians. Did you catch that when we read through that? He says, I thank my God always for you. Why why didn't he just write and say, I'm really thankful for you? I'm sure he was. I'm sure he thanked them. He does. But what is it that makes Paul thank God for them? It's because of the grace of God that's at work right now in this church, in the Philippian church. If it wasn't for that grace, they would not partner with the gospel. They would feel it to be foolishness. If it wasn't for the grace of God, there would be no extension of grace. There would be no generosity. And so Paul, recognizing that it is the grace of God at work now in this church, says, I thank God because of what he has done in your life. It is the present provision of God's grace. I think perhaps more than anyone, Paul understood the grace of God. He understood that we are saved by the grace of God. He understood that the same grace that saved us, rescued us from sin, is also the grace that empowers us to live lives of obedience and faithfulness and holiness towards God. And he understood that grace is the very life blood of the Christian. At least it ought to be. Because grace comes from God, not from ourselves. And we know that Paul is insistent on bringing the glory and credit to God. The grace of God motivated these believers to minister to Paul, both when times were good and when times were not good. Verse 7, you were all partakers with me of grace, both in my imprisonment and in the confirmation and defense of the gospel. This is one of the many reasons that he can say in verse 8 that he yearns for them, that he longs for them with all of the affection, the love of Jesus Christ. And that is a lot of affection. But it is Paul reaching for language to tell this church how thankful to God he is that the grace of God is at work in them, motivating them to live lives of faithful gospel partnership. The present provision of God. Number three, God's future grace. God's future grace. Look at verses 9 through 11. And it is my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment so that you may approve what is excellent and so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Paul now moves to tell the Philippians what he prays for them. He said in verse 3 that he remembers them in every prayer, right? And in verses 9 through 11, he tells us the content of what he is praying, what he is remembering. He remembers and recognizes God's faithfulness in bringing them to this point. 
He understands the present reality of the grace of God that is at work in them. And now he's saying, from this point forward, this is what I'm praying for you. That in the future, you would understand the grace of God. That you would grow in your understanding and your love. And that God would pour out his blessings upon you. This is what he's asking for the church. So let's look at this prayer for a moment. Paul asks that their love would abound more and more. Now, is this love for one another? Is this love for Paul? Is it love for Christ? And we can say, yes, it's all three of those. And I think the reason he doesn't specify anything is that all of life, all of the Christian life is to be marked by the virtue of love that does not only play itself out in different specific situations, but in the broad spectrum of the Christian life. So he says that your love may grow, that it may abound more and more. Not just in certain areas, but everywhere. All of it. Yes, love for one another. Yes, love for the partners in the gospel. And yes, love for Paul and for Jesus Christ. As their love abounds, so shall their knowledge and discernment. Knowledge and love should work together to serve us, to serve the church in its walk with the Lord. If you err on either side of those or try to pit them against one another, you're going to go off the rails. If all you have is the knowledge, I know this to be true, this is fact, this is it, and you don't have any affections for God, your Christianity, your relationship with God will be cold and mechanical, lacking the love that we are called to have. And on the other side of things, if all you have is love and experience and emotion without any truth or any fact to back that up, it will be a roller coaster of ups and downs and emotionally draining because you don't know what the next moment is going to bring, which is why Paul says, love and knowledge. These are not pitted against one another. These are simultaneous, at the same time, paths that these Christians are to take. Paul's prayer for the church was that they would grow at the same time in love and knowledge. The more that they know, the more that they would love. And the more that they love, the more they would understand. And why does he pray this? I think the answer is right there in verse 10. Look at the text. So that you may be able to approve What is excellent? How do we know the difference between right and wrong? How do we know what is excellent or what is not excellent? Paul says in Romans 12, abhor what is evil and cling to what is good or hold fast to what is good. Well, what do we know what is right and wrong? What is good and evil? See, you and I can't set the standard for that. We've sinned. We've fallen short of God's standard for holiness, for what is right The standard for Christian living, the standard for right and wrong has to come from something outside of us, which is God speaking to us through his word. The Bible is objective truth, and you either believe that or you don't. But the testimony of scripture, the testimony 
of our Christian life, our experience testifies to this. But more than experience, it is the word of God and he has proven his word to be true. So when Paul is praying for growth in knowledge and understanding, he's not just saying, you guys figure out whatever you think is true and and grow in that. He is calling them to grow in the knowledge of the word of God and the love of God which produces love for one another. He says that the way to know what is good and excellent is to grow in our love, understanding, and discernment. This kind of life is evidenced by being filled with what Paul calls the fruit of righteousness. Verse 10, so that you may approve what is excellent and so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Christ Jesus. This fruit of righteousness comes through Jesus Christ. In other words, it is a gift of his grace. It is something that Paul's saying, look, as you move forward, as you head into the future, receive the gift of God's grace. Be filled with all the fruits of righteous living that come through the grace of God. Paul is trusting that this church will, in the future, continue to receive grace upon grace from their loving Heavenly Father. And I think that when he talks about these gifts of righteousness, even though he doesn't specify right now what they are, we know what he's talking about, don't we? After we read the scriptures, it's everything that comes to us by God's hand, which is everything. This fruit of righteousness comes through Jesus Christ. And in typical Pauline fashion, this all is to be done to the praise and the glory of God. I am so impressed with the Apostle Paul. He never misses an opportunity to draw attention to God. He never misses an opportunity to glorify God for his work. He could have just left it. He could have just said, look, I'm, I'm praying that you would grow in your understanding and your love for one another and become holy people. End. But he didn't. He adds this tag on the end that it would be all of this growth, all of this love, all of this righteousness would be to the praise and glory of God. Paul is a worshiper before he is anything else. Now hopefully you can see these points in the text. The past, present, and future grace and faithfulness of God. Now I want to look at these again. This time using examples not from the Philippian church but from our own experience here. As I said when we started today, I want to establish a point of reference. I want us to remember what God has done. So that as we move into new territory, we have confidence that the faithfulness of God will continue towards us. Not because of our work, not because of our obedience, not because we are doing the right thing, but because faithfulness is the character of God. And he's promised to be faithful. So first, let's consider the past faithfulness of God to our church. And I don't even know where to begin. I mean, everything... (laughs) Everything that has happened could be a mark of God's faithfulness. So I just picked three. I'll tell you three things. First, God provided 
this meeting space for us. As we were getting into the time when, you know, summer was coming and we were scheduled to start the church and we had been working and planning and and thinking that originally we were going to be meeting in the middle school auditorium here. Excuse me. And that would have been fine. It's It's a really nice facility, but with all the stuff happening last year and the lockdowns and the requirements and the, you know, watching and we couldn't, we wouldn't have been able to have communion in there because of the food and drink policy and all this kind of stuff and, uh, just some real interesting things. And, and then as we got closer and closer, the, the school got kind of, they wouldn't return calls and they didn't want to commit to anything. And it was just kind of, a, kind of a strange deal. And then God providentially worked out this meeting between, between two of our elders and the pastor of this church that we meet in here, a glorious church. And it is just so clear. If, if you want to hear the whole story, talk to Brad or talk to Scott. They were in on this process about how God brought this to pass. He provided this space for us to meet in with, without, this is going to sound political, I don't mean it to be like that, without some kind of state-run institution dictating what we do. And we are so thankful to God that we have a church to meet in This is such a clear demonstration of God's faithfulness to our church. And we are so thankful to this church and to God for working through them in this way. Second thing, God proved his faithfulness in giving me a successful and speedy recovery to my kidney transplant. And I didn't even know if I should bring this up because I'm not trying to draw attention to me. This church does not exist because Jacob Hatfield exists. It goes way beyond that. At least it better, because if it doesn't, we're hopeless. But God worked things out with the timing, the recovery, everything of my transplant surgery, which was supposed to happen early in 2020, but hospitals shut down and we're not doing surgeries. So it was June 30th of last year that I had the transplant. Six weeks, almost to the day I was in this pulpit. (laughs) That just doesn't happen. I mean, we were told everything from you could have two months recovery to six months recovery to you might be in the hospital for three or four weeks or whatever. There were so many things that were, could have gone one way but didn't. Why? Because God cares for us. He cares for you. And so this has nothing to do with Jacob. This is not me saying, boy, I'm the center of attention here. You better recognize it. This is me saying God is faithful. And he provided. Third thing. He provided people and resources to give us a stable starting point for our first year. One of the big things you always have to consider when you're starting something is, are we going to make it? (laughs) Is there going to be enough involvement? Is there going to be enough resources? Is there going to be enough whatever? But God demonstrated his faithfulness so clearly in bringing people, in bringing resources, in working through the generosity of those around us. And we have had a wonderful first year by the grace of God. And I want us to know that. And I want to testify to the goodness of God in this area. That he has demonstrated his faithfulness in giving us exactly what we needed when we needed it. And I will just comment that it was never early. (laughs) If you guys know me, you know I appreciate punctuality and early and and planning and all those kinds of things. And uh, 
It was never early, but it was always when God wanted it to happen. And so we're very thankful for that. So that's just a couple examples. If you weren't around at the beginning and you want to hear more, I will talk your ear off about the faithfulness of God. You just tell me. And there are so many examples of his past faithfulness to us. Second, God's present provision. Just like God has provided a a stable beginning for us in the past years, he continues to provide for us in the present. Of course, a part of this is happening through the generosity of the people who call this their church home. But it goes so far beyond financial stability. It goes to the fact that God is bringing to us people who have a passion for the gospel, who have a heart for the local church, and want to see our children raised in the Lord. They want to see our adults strengthened in the gospel, and they want to see the word of God go out into this community. God continues to provide for us in these remarkable ways. Grace Bible Church is made up of a very broad spectrum of people. There are a variety of passions and burdens and interests in this church, and I am so thankful. Can you imagine a church of 100 Jacobs? Gross. That would be terrible, right? Or 100 any of you. As much as I love you, I wouldn't want 100 of you. But God in his grace is presently providing for us a variety of people, a variety of skill, and a variety of gifting so that it can be used for the glory of God. And I'm just thankful that he continues to provide for our church in this way. He continues to provide grace daily and weekly as we navigate different issues, as we come up against problems or things that need solutions. We have had a year of relative peace and unity, which is evidence of God's active involvement in this church, and we are so very thankful for that. Third and lastly, the hope of future grace. As I said earlier, at least mentioned this, the reason I'm drawing our attention back in time is to remind all of us that God has never failed. And he never will. And so in looking back, I want us to gain the confidence, not to make stupid decisions and say, well, God's going to be faithful. We can do whatever we want. This isn't permission to act like an idiot. This is permission to worship and be thankful to God because he has promised to be faithful. And so as we look back, remember what God has done, and I want that to motivate us as we move into this second year of ministry together. As we start the fall ministries, we have Sunday school on Sunday nights coming up. We have the small group Bible study starting. We have other things as we resolve to live lives of holiness before the Lord. Would we remember the faithfulness of God that brought us to this point? Would we see his present provision And my prayer is that all of us would have hope in his future grace to sustain us through the next day, the next months, and the next years. And may all of this church be to the praise and glory of God. Now Josh stole my thunder with the opening scripture, but I'm going to read it again because this is one of the great texts about the faithfulness of God. Actually, we're going to sing this in just a couple moments, but listen again as I read from Lamentations. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. 
His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I will hope in him. Let's pray together. Lord, what can we say other than thank you? What could we ask other than please continue your faithfulness to this church? Lord, we are humbled that you have given us a year together, 12 months, 52 weeks of gathering together and hearing the word of God. Lord, we do not have in our, I do not have in myself what it takes to live a life that is pleasing to you and I need your help. And so I ask that through the power of your Holy Spirit, through the ministry of the word and the encouragement of believers, would we all grow in love? Would our love abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment? Lord, that we would know the difference between what is right and wrong, that we would approve what is excellent. And in everything we do, would it all be done to the glory and praise of your name, Father. We give you thanks for the tangible things that we can see. We give you thanks for all of the things that I am convinced we don't see, but you have kept us from. Lord, continue to show your mercy and grace to us. And as faithful as you are and as thankful as we are for your faithfulness, we are most thankful for Jesus Christ, your Son. Without Christ, there is no church because there is no head. And so thank you for the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross that washes us clean from our sin and allows us to gather together under his banner to worship and serve and grow and love. God, make us a thankful people. We plead with you, Lord, for your continued grace and would your faithfulness be the rock that we stand on as we move forward. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.